All right, well, welcome everybody. This is really exciting. It's Friday, August 7th, and it's noontime. So thanks for coming to this Lunch and Learn, this impromptu Lunch and Learn. And this was driven based upon uh, our um, inner circle, which is, which is a group of principals that meet every single Monday um, in small groups. And this, this inner circle of uh, principals comes and they bring their ideas and they share their thoughts and they talk through their challenges. So one of the members of the inner circle said, hey, some of you are already in school. Wouldn't it be great if, we could, if other people could learn directly from you? And, um, and that was uh, Barbara Cohen. I said, oh, what a, what a fantastic idea. So let's get, let's get our inner circle principals, our charter school principals who have open school in plan B and plan C, and let's get them all on a call together uh, so they can share with, with everybody uh, what they're learning and what they're doing. And so if you saw the email that I sent out this morning at nine years ago, what today we won that fishing tournament, but it all came down to that evaluative experience, right? That giant storm was creeping upon us and I kept watching and said, we'll be fine, everybody, we'll be fine. We caught the fish, we head in and we did not look into the storm. We watched our plan and our plan and our navigational plan got us back home and got us able to get our, our little trophy there. And that's what we're kind of doing uh, today. We got you know, you're all heading into a storm. Some of you are in the storm right now, uh, but having that plan is really helping you. So what I want to do, I'll take a couple seconds to uh, talk about who our uh, panel is um, and, and then introduce some, some very important uh, people to me and some uh, uh, strategic partners. So while you're in the chat, let us know where you're from, what school you're at, what's your question that you have uh, for us. There's been about 15 questions put forward that I've ask the panel to really take a look at and see how they can best um, serve you all and uh, and we'll get going so first of all my uh, teaching partner and uh, business partner Katie Ridenow is with us Katie how are you today I'm doing fantastic it's a beautiful day at the beach I can't complain <laughs> Katie's at the beach all right I see it and I love it all right and then our strategic partner in life uh, Rhonda Dillingham from the North Carolina Association for uh, Public Charter Schools what a great event you hosted about a month ago there was like almost a thousand, like a thousand participants and all day long. So Rhonda, how are you doing? I've recovered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm really proud of how, how uh, that went. Um, it was a new adventure, but you know, uh, we've been saying this since March that adversity pushes you to do things you wouldn't have done before. And I learned a lot, just like you all are learning a lot now. So I appreciate, every, I appreciate everyone's support. Yeah, excellent. Well, thanks, thanks uh, for being such a great partner to all of us. So, so let's talk about our school leaders, Rhonda. So we've got, uh, first of all, we've got Kate Alice, Dr. Kate Alice, kind of way who I've known since about 2011, 2012, when I first joined the Office of Charter Schools. And at that time, Kate Alice was a member of the Public Charter School Advisory Council, and she has uh, founded and opened multiple charter schools. Um, so right now she is the executive director of Invest Collegiate Transform, which is in Charlotte, and uh, they're in Plan B. So Kate Alice will be our first uh, speaker uh, today. Kate Alice, how are you today? You got to unmute yourself to say hi, though. Fabulous. We're fabulous. There we go. I love it. Thank you, Kate Alice. I can't wait to learn about what you all are doing. And then next we have uh, Stephen Gay, who is from East Wake Academy, another K-12 uh, charter school here. And uh, Stephen has been the head of a school at a few uh, charter schools. But most importantly, if you haven't visited East Wake Academy, 
Uh, we've had a couple of uh, sessions there through our Teacher Leader Academy and our Principals Consortium. What an incredible uh, mix of traditional value education, but also with this great STEM and some technology and some great opportunities in a rural community uh, to help us students be uh, prepared for college and uh, beyond. So, Steve, are you there with us? You say hi real quick. Uh, I'm here. All right. Well, We're welcome. ready. He's wearing his red. He's ready to go. And, and then we got, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I love it. And as we've got from the Clover Garden Charter School, which is in Alamance, Burlington, uh, another K-12 college prep school, rural school opening up in uh, Plan C. And they're just about finished their second week of school. So we got two leaders from there. Uh, we got the head of school, Heather Harikin and Emily Moore, who's uh, this great assistant director uh, that they have. So if you don't know much about Clover Garden, um, again, another member of our consortium and our Teacher Leader Academy, but this school about values and safety and heroes. So, so maybe they'll be talking about a little bit how they're serving their students in that hero capacity uh, way um, as well in a virtual. So Heather and Emily, how are you both doing today? Doing well, thanks. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. <laughs> awesome. And Hello. It's <laughs> nice to meet y'all. <laughs> and our last panelist will be uh, Tammy Finch from the Expedition School. And the reason why I asked uh, Tammy to come on is that they have one of the more unique uh, curriculum plans and education plans being an experiential learning school. So I really wanted her to talk about how are you doing a, an experiential values-based learning through a virtual remote environment to start your year? And then how are you overseeing your teachers during that process? And if you haven't been to the Expedition School, you need, you need to visit when they open their doors back up. Incredible learning. I've never seen students make a T-chart as part of their morning activity and talk about what behaviors I should display compared to what I shouldn't display, whether I'm walking in the hallway, whether I'm meeting new community members. I just love it that they're always so focused on creating better citizens. So Tammy, how are you? Doing great. Hi, everybody. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting. So what a beautiful campus. So let's, so let's start there. So I've sent the panelists all of your questions, uh, but I wanted to start with Kate Alice because there were some specific questions about Plan B. So Kate House, you have the floor here. So I just want you to talk about, and everybody can talk about this, what does a day in the life of one of your students or your teachers look like? And how are you, you know, managing all of the challenges of, of the remote and the hybrid learning plan? So the floor is yours, uh, Kate House. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. Well, first I'll say we began school on Monday, July 20th. And uh, we are learning every day. <laughs> That's what I would say about uh, school in 2020, 2021. Every day is an opportunity to learn and grow for everyone. Um, we have about 90, 80 to 90 students on campus, K through 10, every day. And the remainder of our students, uh, right around 300, are virtual. Uh, or remote, if you will, every day. We follow a typical daily schedule. We have a daily schedule. Um, the students who arrive on campus arrive between 7.30 and 8 and go through their screenings. We have protocols for that. And then our class schedule, if you will, begins around 8 o'clock. And we move through that through the day until 3.30 when we have dismissal for our own campus champions. Um, 
our learning probably is best described as synchronous. So our collegiate leaders are teaching the children that are in the room, if you will, as well as the ones who are remote. However, they do uh, break out for small group sessions and, and so forth. And our investment collegiate leaders have really, you know, they've really um, shown so much flexibility and determination as well because they offer, you know, music and, and chorus and band and Spanish and physical education, all these different um, programs that we offer here and trying to kind of adjust to that to engage the children who are here, of course, but also the ones remotely. And we have a schedule for investments as well. So um, we're not a school that's assigned certain um, teachers, if you will, to be just remote and certain teachers to be on campus. We have more of a, um, a synchronous or blended model. So our teachers have responsibility for their, you know, learning communities um, by, by pretty much by grade level. So, and then can you talk about, so as the students arrive, I think you told us the other day, you have about 20 to 25% of your students on campus every day? About 90 students, 80 to 90 students. So mm -hmm. um, we, are, we told our families that we would not provide bus transportation for the first month of school because we wanted to assess, um, you know, the plans moving forward. And we did not feel without, we contract our bus service. So, you know, we, last year we all, we had bus service, um, but we contract our bus service and it was going to be um, incredibly difficult for us to follow the bus guidelines. So we did ask our families to provide transportation. So as the children arrive, they arrive between 7.30 and 8. We have cones outside that are um, placed six feet apart. They quickly, they quickly got that. They come, they stand next to a cone, we motion them in, they have their temperature check. We have a, vert, um, we have a camera, a thermal camera. They walk right in, uh, our nurse gives them the thumbs up. Everybody's wearing a mask. That, the protocols really haven't been challenging for us. The children have adopted those. Um, I'm sure they had some of this already at home and in place, but so the social distancing, wearing the mask, um, following the temperature guidelines. I mean, for the most part, you know, there've been a couple little glitches, but not really. They have really um, followed those protocols every day. Yeah, and you have shared many times that this uh, temperature screener has really saved time and most importantly, maybe alleviated stress and anxiety uh, because everybody walks through and it lets you know. Um, so do you, if you want to talk a little bit more about how you made that uh, decision. and I actually made that decision probably in like <laughs> April or May <laughs> when I started hearing everything uh, coming forward from NCDPI. I literally was uh, sending emails to Steve Joyner. We consult with Steve Joyner for our technology and I literally started sending him emails in in April saying, I've heard there's something like this. I, we need to find it. Help us find it. And I found one and, and it, we needed to continue to do our research. And so ultimately through Steve, we found that. So we made the decision to, to spring for that, even when we weren't sure if we'd have the funding for it, but we did. We, we made that decision and made that decision in May. Um, it is a game changer. Um, every, every teacher, every person walks through that. It gives that temperature. It saves all of that time. 
and also just I can't imagine as we move forward and open the school if more families return more families choose to return um, just it eliminates like, like you said the time factor it's very fast and accurate yeah so there's a question in the chat I think it was about a ten thousand dollar investment Kate House is that is that about right it's about a ten thousand dollar investment for the equipment and the um, installation mm -hmm. yeah um, and, and so as some questions come in the chat and then we'll start to move to everybody else's, you know, um, plan for the day and then we'll come back to you, uh, uh, Dr. Dunaway, for some other questions because you've got some lots of great things. I, wanted, I want you all to hear what she said. She specifically said, I made this decision in April, early on and quick, and we were going to do it. And the most successful people on the planet make, make decisions very quickly and they hardly ever steer away after they've made that call. So when you've got a clear vision around your safety and security, and I, I believe that's why you said, you, you know, you did it. Let's just alleviate that stress. Let's make sure, sure everybody's safe. Let's, and what a game changer in terms of the speed to get kids on campus, but also the ability to uh, communicate, I would assume, to all the families and the uh, teachers about, hey, we're looking out for everybody on campus every single day. Families, in fact, I had a, an email from um, a father yesterday and his opening line of the email was, thank you so much for everything that school is doing to keep our children safe and uh, knowing that they're having this temperature check and other things too. But um, some of the parents have, we don't allow any guests in the building. So, you know, the parents on the first few days, we've walked them to the entry and let them peer in and say, this is the camera. This is what it looks like. And <laughs> they yeah. watch their children walk through. So, um, it's been it's been wonderful uh, from the time standpoint, but also I think just from a relationship standpoint, um, the parents, you know, really trust that you know that's just the beginning step of everything we're doing. Of course, they see it outside too when their children are standing next to cones six feet apart. But that's yeah. right. Excellent. We'll, we'll come back to you. There's a couple other questions, but we're going to make sure everybody gets a chance. So, so let's go to uh, Steve. So Steve, talk about what does a day in the life look like for an East Wake Academy student and a teacher uh, K-12 right now? You got to unmute yourself. I'm sorry, Steve. Okay, I'm sorry. You got some great um, stuff to say. <laughs> well, since we're K-12, this looks a little bit different. We say our teacher's work day or uh, instructional day is from 8 to 3. We actually start instruction at nine. So our kindergarten, first grade is basically from nine to 12, but they have two 45 minute instructional pod times during that time. And then they follow that up with uh, another small uh, specials time in the morning. Then you go to third and fourth grade, um, second, third and fourth grade. They're again doing two 50 minute, 45 to 50 minute uh, sessions with their ELA teacher, then their math teacher, and then they finish up the day with two back-to-back um, two -back specials, and they're done by noon online. Then they're expected to do to one to two hours offline. Uh, so we, we've had a really good turnout online so far. And then we go to middle school. Our middle school is actually five through eight. So they're a six-period day. So what they're doing is they're doing first, third, and Six, first, third, and fifth, all the odd numbers. And then um, two, four, and six the, the other day. So they have an A-B type schedule. The reason they're doing that is it allows, it gives a break to the teachers. So they're actually, it worked out where they have a planning period built into their day. So they're actually teaching two classes per day. Um, then they have office hours every afternoon, the same way that K-8 does. Then the high school is a little bit longer. They're doing um, 40, 
50-minute uh, classes are actually doing all four of their block classes because they're on a semester schedule and they have office hours in the afternoon. We're really trying to stress to our teachers to try to keep everything compacted between eight and three. Um, everything is recorded. Our LMS we went with was um, Google Classroom. That's one of the things our parents asked for is one central location. So everything's going through Google Classroom because it's free. It's also integrated with our Google Suite, G Suite that we use. Um, we're also using Zoom as our main connect. So we did that. Try to We took some things from what we did in the spring and what we learned and kind of applied that there. So in a day in the life, now we're using the attendance. We have a lot of kids who not a lot, but some kids who cannot participate during the live Zoom, so they have to um, watch it at night. They have a Google form they have to fill out, and then we're using midnight on Sunday, so everything has to be completed by midnight on Sunday, and that way we can go back and look at attendance that way. So it's been very successful. We got a lot of feedback from our parents. Um, we haven't overloaded our kids. Um, we have high expectations. It sounds like we're just focusing on math and reading in elementary, but they're incorporating social studies and science within their um, their classes. So it's good. We did a live um, kindergarten assessment. So all of our kindergartens actually came in and did some one-on-one -on -one assessments uh, in small groups. And as we move forward, our goal is to bring our kindergartners and we have a uh, EC special populations class that we would like to bring back on campus if possible. Um, very proud of our board. They're being very proactive, which is, I know none of them are on here. Um, it's, it's not normal for our board to be proactive, but we made our decision on July the 7th to be remote through the first quarter. And we started talking this week at our board meeting. They have a list of questions they want answered. We moved our September board meeting back to September the 15th from the first, just so they have more time to make other, an informed decision. And they want to make a decision by about second quarter by the 15th of September. So our parents have an opportunity to know what's going to happen so mm -hmm. that's kind of where we are a day in the life great we'll come back to you for sure steve what uh, and, and just real quick how many students are at east wake academy uh day one enrollment was 1208 day two enrollment was 1217. wow so look <laughs> at that so you had more more students on day two i was wondering because wake county opened up that virtual academy opportunity and i was wondering if if that was a hindrance but it sounds like it was not a hindrance you know to all you all were able to, to no, we have we have people that still want to get in. I mean, we're, we're still getting contact. So we're day, today is day eight. And so we're still at 1217. That's great. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. We will come back to you for sure. Uh, let's go to Clover Garden. So Heather and Emily, uh, talk a little bit about, you know, two things, you know, what does a day in a life look like? And then how are you instilling those character education, uh, you know, programs in your day, even though it's virtually? I would love to hear that. I'll, uh, this more is my guru on the character uh, trait, so I'll, I'll leave that to her in just a minute. So, um, so yeah, um, we kind of sound very similar to, to Stephen's uh, layout just a little bit there um, with some of the deadlines and attendance and things like that. Um, so I, I, I second the we're all learning a day at a time, right, <laughs> at this moment. And, and our plans have tweaked, I feel like, every day um, as we're making progress. But our kids, we have uh, K-12, so we're 655 kids. Um, we are all uh, full remote at this point. Um, so our kids, what we did with them this year uh, during remote learning, um, very similar to some of the others that I've spoken, but big concern from our families was one platform. You know, we have all these siblings and they're all using different things. That was a big frustration for them back in April and May. So this year we decided to um, move forward and invest in um, Canvas. Um, so we are using the Canvas online learning uh, management system. 
um, and that's come with a, a huge learning curve uh, for everybody, our teachers and our kids and our families. Um, so we've started training on Canvas. Uh, we just, like I said, we're on day nine um, of our new school year. Um, and so we started um, very early June, rolling that out to our uh, teachers and to in getting them trained and, and understanding. So they pretty much spent their entire summer working as many of your teachers did. Um, it's just kind of like one year has rolled into the next, right? There hadn't really been a, a division, it feels like, or a split. Um, but they have been all-stars. They have really um, been troopers on this one. Um, so they started training on, on Canvas over the summertime, um, and we're doing weekly, a couple times a week trainings, uh, learning how to navigate that platform. And, and so they are still learning as of today. Um, so our, what we decided as um, we, we had committees that we kind of broke up. Um, and our academics committee was working on our remote learning plan. Um, so what we decided to do for our kids is all of our students K through 12 are on an A day or a B day. Um, and so that's uh, five days a week. So our A days are Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and our B days are on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, so it looks a little different, but de depending on what grades you are. So K2 has, you know, their 30 minutes of reading every day, their 30 minutes of math every day, and then they have um, their specials and things like that. Um, when you get into 3-5, we up that a little bit. So 3-5, so they're doing about 45 minutes of reading and 45 minutes of math on A days, and then science and social studies on B days. Um, then when we get into middle school and high school, um, so pre-COVID-19, we made a decision to rework our entire schedule for middle school and high school pre-COVID-19, um, and we'd already made that commitment. So um, our kids are there's some extra challenges this year because they're not on a seven day period schedule like they have been for 20 years. <laughs> um, so that's been an, another obstacle just for us to kind of overcome. Um, but we've got um, like a hybrid type schedule. So we have some block courses and some periods. Um, so for middle school and high school, um, our block periods are on A days. So they're Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then our periods are on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, so it's kind of like blocks and skinnies. Um, so that we, you know, I guess the biggest struggle has been with these block courses, how do you get all your material covered? Um, and that's been a big struggle for our teachers, just trying to uh, wrap their heads around that. So that's been a, been a challenge for us. Um, but um, we are doing live instruction. Um, every course has at least one live instruction every week. Um, the other days that they're teaching their courses, they are doing recorded lessons ahead of time or they are, um, you know, collecting material um, from various places online um, as resources for our students. Um, so Canvas conferences is what we're using as our live instruction piece. Um, and then we do um, understand the importance of that social emotional learning. So we're doing social Zooms. Um, we're still gonna use the Zoom platform, which is what we used last year, um, but we're implementing that um, twice a month. Um, every other week um, for grade level. So they're going to have, it's going to have parameters <laughs> because you can't just, you know, willy-nilly. Um, there's going to be some parameters on those, but just so the kids get to see one another and get to interact with each other, um, we did implement that this year as well. So, um, and Heather, before Emily comes on, can you just address, there was a question about whether teachers are working from the building uh, or they're working from home, but I know you brought everybody in for your professional development day. So if you want to talk a little bit about that, that how how that worked out, mm -hmm. and what what have you all decided to do uh, moving forward, then we'll 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 bring Emily in. Okay. Um, yeah. So right now our teachers are on an optional work schedule within the building. 
Um, I just I want to limit the amount of people that are here at one time. We have about 70 employees when everybody's here. So um, we did bring everybody back for the first day. Um, that was very unique because um, we did the screening process um, and, and did temperatures and everybody had to wear a mask and then we had social distance everyone. So um, we did not have, they had an option. They didn't have to come on campus. That was not mandatory. Um, we did a uh, Zoom session that was live so they could still hear and interact. So we had about half our staff show up. Um, so we had about 40 people here. Um, so it was, we had plenty of room in our gym um, where we separated and spread everybody out about six feet apart. Um, so that was really beneficial just for them to be back together on the first day um, and just, you know, uh, lay eyes on one another. Um, so during the school year right now, we are remote for those first nine weeks. Um, and teachers have a schedule. So uh, our K-5 and office staff are here on Mondays and Wednesdays. And then our middle school and high school staff is here on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then we use Friday as our deep clean day. Um, so as you see, just, just the skeleton crew is working on Fridays and uh, our cleaning crew gets in here and kind of deep cleans. Um, just simple things like the copiers, you know, things you never thought about, but those frequently touched faces. Um, so that's kind of what we've been operating right now with our teachers. Um, Great, thanks. Emily, you want to you want to share a little bit about your character values program? Yeah, so um, we use the character program, the Hero Builder program. We've used it for the past three years going on, and each week there is a new character trait that we introduce to our people. So one of my challenges that I've given myself is the whole um, family interaction and student interaction and how we're going to keep them connected and engaged through this whole entire process. So each and every day I do a morning announcement on Facebook and with that I kind of have a schedule for our um for our hero program. So Monday, I introduce a new word, I give examples of it, and why they need to be, like next week is honest. So why we need to be honest, right? And then on Tuesday during those morning announcements, I put a challenge out on our Facebook page where um, I explain what it is, and then our families can go in and comment on that page of what it means to be honest or you know how they're going to be honest this week whatever the challenge might be and then um friday i have we have an amazing grizzly hero program that we've ran for the past three years and i wanted to keep that going so what that is is our teachers and our families anybody can nominate a student for sharing or showing those character you know characteristics that we all want our students to be right and we all want them to have and so they nominate their children and I have I'm glad you mentioned this because I actually have them right here on my desk <laughs> but what I do is I print out the Google form that they get I write them a little note about how amazing they were this week and some weeks I will put a little trinket in there some weeks it's just the letter and a note but I mail that to their house snail mail and I and it's in a bright neon envelope and to me as a kid I just think that's the coolest thing ever right I loved getting mail as a kid because it's different mm -hmm. you know in our technology world it's something different so I shoot that to them and then it's also going to go on a bulletin board so whenever we get back <laughs> 
they will be able to see that each and every day when they walk through the front door. I love that. I love that, Emily. I mean, you are keeping the rituals and the ceremonies alive even, and that's just something for everybody who's on the call to really think about. How do we continue the stories and the rituals and the ceremonies going, mm -hmm. even though school doesn't look like what it used to? So we'll, and we'll, you know, maybe have some more questions. Thanks for sharing on that. I want to get to Tammy so she has a chance to share a little bit about the expedition schools uh, uh, curriculum and how they're overseeing teachers. And then I know Katie's been uh, grabbing all the questions for the panel. So Tammy, you want to, you want to share next? Sure. Um, I'm at the expedition school and our other panelists are making it sound super easy, but I'm just going to start off by saying this stuff is hard. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to share with everybody what we're doing, but um, just want to acknowledge if you're feeling like it's hard, I'm right there with you because it's a big learning curve, I think, even once we got school started. Um, not that it can't be done. You can do hard, so we can do hard things. So we're in plan C, and so we're going to be moving to kind of, I'll call it a, a modified plan B at the end of the month. Um, so in Plan C, all of our students are remote, and by uh, we started school on Monday, so this is our first week finished, and by August 31st, we're opening up um, a few seats for children who do not have um, optimal learning environments at home, and we outlined what that meant. We were talking about frontline workers, you know, things like that, and then we had the parents apply for the seats. And so we are having us uh, kids come into the building and be supervised by, we're calling them remote learning coaches. All the teachers will continue to teach remotely, but these students will be in the building doing their remote learning in the classroom with a remote learning coach in small groups. Um, so that's, that's how we're changing it up. Right now, we only have a small number of students who've applied. We thought it would be much more. We only have about 22 kids who applied to come to the building so far the majority of our campus wants to stay at home. So in our day, we have put together routines for our students. So all of our students um, in elementary school have a list of routines that they complete on a daily basis. We're trying to make it really memorable. And as a part of that routine, they do have live lessons. So our K through four kids have a live math lesson and a live reading lesson three to four times a day, depending on the age of the student. And in our K through four, we tried to break down our students into smaller groups. So our teachers are never teaching whole class sizes in K through four. So the teachers are teaching short lessons with kindergarten, to be honest with you, you know, I have seen some rock star lessons that have been 15 minutes. That's about as long as the kindergartners can stay online. So the little ones are getting 15 to 20 minute lessons up to maybe 20 to 30 minute lessons for our fourth graders twice a day reading and math, small groups, no more than five kids. So we have had to divide that up between teachers and teaching assistants. This is how we've kept our teaching assistants employed. So our teachers are deploying the lessons using slide decks um, so that those can be easily deployed also by our teaching assistants. Um, also our teaching assistants the first week are co collaboratively doing the lessons with the teachers and watching the teachers um, teach them so they understand how to do that. In our middle school, um, our students have the reading and the math lesson. They also add science twice a week. And in our um, seventh and eighth grade, we have increased the number of lessons where they have math, four, live lessons four times a week, 
literacy three times a week and their science and social studies alternate one to two times per week. Otherwise, the learning is deployed asynchronously. Um, we're using Google Classroom and Zoom. Um, we are using Second Step for our social emotional curriculum, and that's a meeting once a week. And we also use responsive classroom at our school. So one of our routines is a morning meeting. And that was a really important part of our school culture to keep the kids connected through morning meeting. So our teachers are doing morning meeting live at least twice a week. And they're trying to do morning meeting with no more than half the class in the little grades, the young grades, so that the kids actually can participate. The middle school grades, or they're trying to do whole class. So the jury's out on how that will work whole class, but we're trying to keep the group small. Um, and this is when they're doing their connection, their social connection, learning names, building friendships, having a little fun. Um, we tried something new this year. We tried a staggered start, and that was um, interesting. I'm still wondering to recommend it or not, but the helpful part to a staggered start is we divided our school in thirds, and on the first three days of school, we invited one, you know, families could sign up to have either a virtual or in-person connection session with their teachers. And what we wanted to do is make sure that everybody was successful with the new learning management system, with how to access their assignments, and with even just meeting their teacher and knowing who the teacher was. And so the kids came in for 90 minutes if they came in, no more than three students at a time, no more than two parents with each child. We kept the classroom sizes at 10 people or less. And um, the teachers did a 90 minute session getting connecting. Our, our main goals were connection, um, technology success, and engagement. And so they did just relationship building and learning that technology. And then um, we also had to take attendance using forms on those days because two thirds of the school was not in the building. So we had to be careful to make sure that we connected with all the kids that were not in the building. So that's why I'm still wondering to recommend it because that was a bit of a challenge. Um, but now we're in our, so our, our second full day of instruction and so far the technology has gone, you know, fairly well. Um, so I think that helped. And then lastly, Tom wanted me to talk a little bit about our project-based learning. So we do project-based learning at our school. And as you uh, probably know, that's a very integrated model where the kids are trying to um, put their learning together and create a big project. So in remote learning, what we have done is um, the same as we would do in the in-person is give the teachers the flexibility to connect their content right into their ELA lessons mostly. This is where it's worked the best in remote, is that our ELA and reading lessons have connected with that project. So what they're reading about, what they're writing about, is connecting with that bigger question that they're trying to answer for their project. And then their products, of course, have turned into having to be displayed uh, electronically. With our little ones, they actually built stuff. They built stuff at home. They took a picture of it. They were able to post it. For some of our older kids, of course, they built electronic things like websites and um, 
things of that nature. But we were able to do a project showcase fully electronically that way. And uh, that really, I think, helped keep a lot of our kids engaged because they saw that they were going towards a larger final product that more people would look at other than just themselves and the teacher. I love it. Um, and then lastly, we are te allowing teachers to not teach any. There's no uh, live lessons on Friday. And so we're doing our professional development and teacher prep time dedicated on Fridays. That's great. Great stuff. I mean, listen, everybody, there's an echo somewhere. Um, but uh, we've got, so, so, so just to maybe put this in perspective, the four leaders you just heard from have all been part of the inner circle bouncing ideas off of each other for 17 straight weeks, 17 straight Mondays. I think we took one or two Mondays off for holidays. They've been talking through it and asking each other, you know, so as we go through this, you know, maybe second round, you know, maybe share about, you know, what did you learn from, you know, some of your other principles in the inner circle and how has it benefited you to really get to your, to your ideas here? Because um, I want to go back to Kate Alice because there were some questions about Kate Alice about, and this is really for anybody too, you know, what do you have in place for a staff of children? That was one. And I think, you know, Tammy addressed that, you know, a little bit. And then what if a teacher gets sick or, or and then how are you, how are you recording the lessons to Kate Alice? I saw, you know, come up. So if a teacher's, it's one lesson. So whether you're remote or you're actually in the room, everybody's learning the same time at the same thing. So how are you recording that as well? So if you saw a couple of those questions, Kate Alice, if you could address those. I think the uh, I'll go to the the last question because I think I got that one. Um, how are we recording? So um, that is something that's really up to every collegiate leader. It definitely changes between like kindergarten and sixth grade or tenth. So um, there are collegiate leaders who are recording lessons and have those available. Um, there are collegiate leaders who are not recording and then you know, are, are literally offering that lesson again at another time, even sometimes outside the school day. So um, it varies, um, I would say, depending on if it's the primary grades all the way up to, let's say, 10th grade. Um, and so far that is working for us. Um, one of the, you know, I all of our collegiate leaders returned. Um, I was very clear about if you feel uncomfortable returning, please talk to me, let me know. I want to, I want to understand. And I've had a couple of collegiate leaders who've talked to me, but I guess in the midst of that, we've tried to have, because we're here at five days and we, you know, we don't have a day that we set aside for planning. I mean, we're pretty much following our school calendar. I've also tried to be cognizant of giving a little bit of flexibility or latitude, if you will, as we kind of move through this process. So that we are definitely doing everything we can, but also with some understanding and flexibility. Um, and that kind of relates to some of the teachers maybe recording and some saying, oh, I'm not really ready. I can't handle that right now. So just a little bit of flexibility there um, is what I would say. And I can't remember, what was the first question, Tom? Uh, folks were asking about, um... What are you doing for the uh, children of uh, teachers, if you have any, and, and at your school? And um, I'm trying to think, um, did you have any teachers, and you just kind of addressed that, about whether they felt 
you know, challenged about coming back. I think you've addressed all of those. Uh, there is one, how do you know if the staff has been exposed to uh, COVID and, and what, what processes do you have in place for any sick uh, teachers uh, or, you know, anything like that? So um, in terms of the children, the, the collegiate leaders who have children enrolled at this school have the option of their children returning on campus or not. And we have both of those. So we have some teachers whose children are here every day and some who've chosen for their own children to work remotely. And, and those are mainly ones that are older. Um, and then in terms of if they have children that are not yet school age, we, we haven't made a provision for those, um, for those uh, collegiate leaders. But no, I, no one, I don't really think, I don't think we actually even have that here with children, all, all of our, collegiate leaders have children their school age or older mm -hmm. um, then in terms of uh, whether they have COVID quarantine and so forth I've been uh, I, I repeatedly ask about please let me know like if you're traveling out of state or if you feel like you've been exposed you know please talk to me our school nurse is here also to talk through um, concerns with our, our collegiate leaders so for example Last weekend, um, you know, we had a collegiate leader who did need to travel out of state for family reasons. And even though we don't believe that that person was exposed to COVID or anything, just as a precautionary measure, because that state isn't uh, following the guidelines that North Carolina might be following right now, um, that teacher is, I asked that teacher to teach remotely this week, just as a precautionary measure. Um, and so that's kind of the way we're taking it on a case-by-case -case basis. And with everybody knowing that if they are concerned or if I have a concern, we're gonna talk about it and we'll come up with a, an opportunity. In terms of if a person is absent because they're actually sick, then obviously we're making a determination if we need to um, bring in a substitute and have a substitute or if they're just quarantining because of something but they feel they can teach remotely, then they would continue, they would just teach remotely, and then we would manage the children who are here in the building. Love it, excellent, all right. Any of the other panelists wanna address some, you know, some of those questions, how you're working through some of those um, emotional challenges, um, health you know, challenges, how you're planning for you know, potential quarantine of a teacher, um, and how that may work at your school? Steve or Tammy? I mean, I can speak. I can speak for remote. <laughs> whoever, whoever wants to share. So, so for us right now, just working remotely, we've asked our teachers to have a point of contact. Um, they have office hours every day from nine to twelve. So if they are unable to be available during that time, um, they have to have a point of contact. And that point of contact is who the kids, you know, who who's going to be getting the emails and things like that, so that there is a person able to answer questions and things like that. Um, our concern is when we get back in the building, you know, with substitutes, you know, and, and subs being comfortable coming into the building and things like that. But, um, but that's kind of what we're doing for our remote right now. Mm -hmm. Tammy or Steve? Um, same thing. We actually had a teacher test positive prior to us coming back to campus. She was never on campus. Then we had uh, an optional math training. We had three teacher assistants and one had been exposed and so she was tested and tested positive so she was out for 10 days and then the two 
teacher assistants who were in the same room with her because it was optional. Um, they had to be quarantined for 14 days. They're all back at work now. So we're, we're, you know, we're taking it case by case. Um, we reported what we had to to the health department. So the same thing comes up that Heather brought up. I mean, it's going to be very hard to get a substitute to come in when you go back face-to-face -face in this, this environment. The way Kate Alice is doing it is pretty, I like the idea of, you know, you're still, you're teaching and you're not double teaching. You know, you're, whatever you're doing in the classroom is also being recorded so we share it out. So that's going to, that's one of our big stressors moving to plan B is how do you not stress your teachers out? Yeah, I love that too. So, so really that is part of your contingency plan, you know, and I don't know, have any of the principals, have your teachers started to maybe bank some lessons, you know, just in case or some, you know, uh, foundational pieces or something that someone else can hit, you know, go on just in case someone is too sick to be live that day? Yes, we actually um, suspended remote learning on Tuesday because of the hurricane. Uh, <laughs> I never thought I'd do that in 30 years, but we, um, we did that. Some people said, why did you do that? Because we've made our focus this time more to be live synchronous learning. And so we had just started. So we, now if we were four or five weeks in, we wouldn't have done anything different, but we kind of suspended it for that day. But what you brought up, teachers had already done some pre-recorded um, lessons and they've got those banked in their, in their classroom so they can unroll roll those out when they need to. Mm -hmm. Excellent. How about the parents' response to, uh, I mean, it sounds like, you know, your school, Steve, they're, you know, it, it was a really strong response. You know, Heather, you know, you all have a very strong student base, 700, you know, plus, right, with a pretty big wait list. I mean, have any of the, you know, schools seen a, a reduction? Because uh, I know that was one of our, you know, concerns, you know, back in April that we, we would lose students. How is everybody doing with that? We probably lost um, maybe a total of seven or eight kids out of 1,200 plus mm -hmm. to homeschool. Um, we tried to advise the parents that if you do this, you know, what we've been doing is not homeschool because the teacher's been teaching and you've just been, you've just been being a parent. As I put it as frank as it can be, you've been doing parenting. Um, so we try to explain to them and we also explain to them that once you uh, leave, you're probably not going to get back in. Now, we've had a couple of parents be strategic about that. They may have three kids. They'll leave one in the school. So they have the, <laughs> the sibling rule to possibly get back in, which is pretty smart on their part. Um, so we've lost a few, but we've replaced those along the way. So it's, it's nice having a strong uh, wait list. Yeah, that makes a difference. We only, we only lost about three kids between March um, and when we knew we were coming back, with the exception of, you know, the day before school started, we did have a flurry of kindergarten families uh, drop out. And so we... You know, it would, it's easy to fill kindergarten. That's where our wait list is, and so we did fill those seats. But um, that that was the that's the grade to watch is if you have kindergarten, be ready to to refill seats on the first day. So we we refilled probably four seats uh, in kindergarten the day before school started. Yeah, yeah. Having those systems leading up to that first day of school are so important. Make sure you're staying in contact with your family so they know how to not. And if you if you have open house, so that would be maybe a question, you know, ha, did you all have a virtual open house? You know, how did you know and how did you stay in touch with your families leading up to that first day of school? How do you think that may have helped? And it is it's important to connect with your new your new families that are coming to you right before you open, because some of them we had two or three that went back to their 
their school where they were because of the familiar because they're familiar familiar with it and didn't want to try it. You know, so that's another thing. But we've made contacts with our new parents. That's been really good. And we're also this first week made an extra effort to stay in contact with our new parents. We had the opportunity. We we want to kind of like a trial run at Plan B before Plan B is Plan B. So we brought our kinders back in here for their kindergarten assessments, yeah. um, and we were very strategic about it. You know, we we only we tested you know mom and dad and kid, and we had arrows, and they had to walk down the hallway one way, and then they walked right out like they were in here less than two minutes. And that then this morning I talked to them outside socially distanced with our masks on, but, um, and gave them kind of like a, hey, this is what school's going to be like, what can we do for you, those kind of things, just because that face-to-face -face is so very important. So we were able, we were very nervous, truthfully, very nervous about having people in the building, but uh, we had another couple of weeks ago, and it was fantastic. Um, I think that helped alleviate a lot of stress from our families, because they had never even met us before, you know, and here we are, you know, jumping into remote learning. So um, I think that helped for us. Um, and I, as many of you do, I do the, my weekly messages, you know, to the families and stuff. And this morning I had, she's kind of got me out of my comfort zone and, and put me on the old Facebook live. And so <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's been at least, you know, the best that you can do during this time of social media is really all we have um, yep. when you're working remote. So. Yeah, I'm uh, currently the interim head of a school uh, here and uh, we, we over flooded our Zoom. So we ended up allowing our Zoom to go to the YouTube page. Uh, which really helped out and uh, we've been trying to do it every week as well just some sort of weekly town hall so folks can see us and this week we had about a dozen teachers and staff come on and just share their part uh, so that's so that's important for sure so uh, Katie I'm going to ask you here in a second any questions that we definitely missed but I wanted to share two things one if if the panelists would be I know you get a lot of emails but these would be good emails. If you're willing to share your email address and help out anybody who's on this, you know, drop it in the chat box so you know, we'll make sure and we could send that out in the email coming back. But I wanted, if you didn't notice in the, the uh, chat, we have, um, we have a principal from Trinidad and also from uh, Morgan on uh, the call. So this is so exciting to be, I mean, you all, uh, you're sharing now is reaching out across the globe. So you are, you are global leaders uh, for sure. So Katie, what are some of the questions that I may have uh, skipped over as the uh, panelists put their email address in and welcome Renu and uh, Michelle uh, from out of North Carolina. We may have some other North Carolina folks too. Oh yeah, and thank you, Stephen and Heather for jumping right in and sharing your contact information. I know that's gonna be really helpful to folks. So there were questions about the screening protocols. I mean, I think people really want to understand, you know, when kids are walking through, what happens? When do they get their temperature taken? When do you ask those questions, those screening questions? You know, is it before, is it after? So in anybody who, you know, wants to walk through that process, we'd love to hear it. Um, okay. We, the children ride uh, to school with their families for the most part. When they get out of the car, we check to see if they have a mask and the person opening the car door, uh, which they're collegiate leaders that are assigned to that in the morning and in the afternoon, um, check in with the families to make sure things are going well. Children walk to the building, they stand six feet apart, the cones are placed out there. We have music playing and they walk in. Uh, they walk through the thermal scanner, the, the hallway or the vestibule that has a thermal scanner. Um, 
nurse gives them a thumbs up. They pass the hand sanitizing station um, on their way. We have those throughout the building. Um, and then throughout the day, um, if there's any concern um, or any change, like a sore throat, anything, um, even something that before might be considered minor, um, then it, that child is referred to the nurse. But really, in the weeks that we've been here, I think we've only had maybe two children. One had a sore throat, and I think the other one maybe needed a Band-Aid. I mean, it's not been very much in terms of, we haven't sent any children home or any collegiate leaders home for an elevated temperature or signs of, that would be symptoms of COVID at this time, knock on wood. Now, now have you asked, do you specifically ask those three screening questions to your students? Um, we do not ask the three screening questions every day. We reach out to our families. They have copies of the forms that were in, well, they have copies of the Strong Schools North Carolina Toolkit, which we gave everybody in um, July. Mm -hmm. um, we gave them a hard copy in our drive-through, device drive-through, and we sent it electronically. So they have an attest, I can never say that, attestation form that we use if a child has traveled uh, outside the state, if they have been, uh, let's say at a family, uh, let's say service, funeral, then they have that, but it's not something that we have them do every single day. Thank you, Kate Alice. That's really helpful. How about anybody so else? Yeah, we used, so we did have our families who were coming for the staggered start do that attestation form. And for this small purpose, we simply did it on a Google form and we have a phone system that can, or an email system, you know, that can push that out every day. So we pushed the Google form out every day. Then when they entered the building, the person at the door asked them, did you complete your attestation form? And we went on honesty policy, you know, we didn't stand at the door and check that they had, but our families, you know, were honest. They said yes, they said no. If they said no, then we asked them the three quick questions um, just on the spot. And we only had probably a small handful of people who had not completed it. Um, if we were gonna return in plan B, I'm also looking at a potential app that could push that out. Um, more easily and then provide data on who hasn't completed it in the background. Um, so we're not coming back plan B quite yet. So that's still in the works, but that's something that I'll probably be looking into. How about for your staff, Tammy? Is it is the same processes? Do you guys do anything more, more restrict? We have the Google form for the staff. And since our staff are fully remote and we are allowing them to work from home, we talk to the staff and we set up a station at each entrance that has a thermal thermometer, you know, the forehead thermometer and um, hand sanitizer and the health attestation forms at the station. And they're not coming in on a regular basis. They're just coming in when they need to come in. And so we are asking them to do self-screening and uh, record either on the Google form or if they forgot, we have the forms on paper at the entrance. And so we have a record of, of them when they do come into the building, which is only periodic. 
Excellent. Anybody else want to share on that one? You know, I have to say, like, there's just incredible power in in uh, proximity, right? And one of us is not as smart as all of us. So just, you know, think about hopefully everybody gleaned one new thing, right? One, one thing they weren't, you know, thinking about, one idea, one strategy, something they can implement uh, next week. So, um, so I'm really excited and, and our, you know, panelists, so I'll let you all have just, you know, kind of one more word because there was a question, what would you do differently Right. What have you learned now? And and, you know, what would you know, really have you learned through the power of uh, collaboration? So, you know, Tammy, what's one thing you might do differently? You talked a little bit about um, your a staggered start. But what else? Is there one thing that you're rethinking? Uh, just one. <laughs> um, well, we started Plan C, so that's fully remote. So I would love to have a full-time technology person mm. at the school. When you're full remote, you just need that kind of help. Um, you can't have kids waiting to figure out that login or kids trying to figure out that broken iPad. And so right now, so I did not hire that person over the summer. We have um, part-time people and then I've been doing you know myself and other staff members have been doing that so I would if you're going to be full remote you need that technology person so that's that's a big thing that, that I would do, do differently yeah that's a good one even with you know having access to you know Steve Joyner right you already have having that person every day what about you Heather what's Heather and Emily what's something you guys might do differently well the same lines I would have cross-trained more people so that there's not just one person that's responsible for resetting passwords. Um, a, a big end of the technology piece, you think you have it all ironed out, and then you know the brand new kids can't get in because this has to be done first in power school, and this is tied to their lunch numbers. They don't have lunch numbers because they're new students, and so oh, this goes on. <laughs> um, but I would have called straight some more people so that we wouldn't have had you know just one or two people responsible for for reset <laughs> resetting passwords. Mm, that's huge. Yeah, just so many administrative things that are different, right? Kate Alice? Well, I guess we're all going down a technology path. Um, <laughs> I, my first thought was I would have given every uh, child an extra charger. Um, <laughs> because uh, why is it that chargers don't work all of a sudden? So um, I do agree on the technology person. We were very fortunate that we have a couple people here who just like their technology gurus and like they love it and they like want to do it so they do it in addition to their other responsibilities so we finally realized so we had a designated we put a designated number that is a school cell number that families can call and text if they have a technology problem so it goes directly to that person um so i guess differently is maybe just <clears throat> like, like everybody um, understanding the magnitude, you know, whether it's a charger, a broken screen, they mm. need to switch out their device, that kind of planning, um, you know, and like, and like she's saying, if, if they're new, they can't get in because they're not in power school and their passwords, you know, that just that kind of planning, maybe, um, a little more of that. Excellent. Yeah. Did you all do one-to-one? -one? So, so you gave, you uh, gave, uh, gave uh, devices or they had to use their own device and everybody here on the call, you know, do that for your people? Yeah. 
And it just it so we we were were not able to do one to one in K two. We didn't quite have enough devices. So we do have a mixture of school provided devices and a bring your own device for kindergarten through second grade, and that's added a little bit to the challenge because everyone because you try to make instructional videos about how to do this or that thing, but it looks different depending on the device you're working on. So that can add a little extra challenge. So we're actually investing in purchasing. We have iPads, more iPads to try to build more consistency there in the meantime, if we can build up our iPad fleet. Um, but that did provide some surprise challenges. When we had th programs that worked wonderfully on our school devices and they didn't work wonderfully on the parents bring your own device. So yeah. that was um, a surprise we should have anticipated, but didn't. But that's so school on devices are are good because they're consistent. You know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's exactly the story I told our uh, families here at the uh, charter school. I'm in charge of like you can use your own device. But remember that time that your kid came to you because Flash wasn't downloaded or whatever it was. You couldn't get the video and they were late. That's why we're going to give you one. But then I think we just got a twenty thousand dollar bill for Chromebook covers. And I'm like, oh, no, this is this is a significant investment. So make sure you make good decisions around that. That's great. How about you, Steve? What is one thing you might do differently? Uh, I think one thing is you got to change your mindset. You cannot, you're not going to be able to have all the answers. I think that's something all of us as leaders need to do. We kind of put in a beginner's mindset. You, you may not have the answer. Somebody else may have it. You could use that. Um, we also started using the word hurdles instead of barriers. Those hurdles are easier to get over than barriers. You'll bump up against the barrier hurdle you can get over. So we're talking about that. I'm really expressing looking for the future. What are hurdles that you're going to have down the road so you can make the hurdles smaller so you can prepare for that? I think we did a good job of preparing our families along the way. But I think there was so much information overload at the beginning. You know, where do you start? Where do you do? You know, sometimes you just kind of circle up and do what you can. I our rest in peace plan, that RIP plan we did, I'll be honest, we started spending all this time on it. I said, stop, you know, thanks to uh, Pinnacle, thanks to Asheboro City Schools. We cut and paste it from there. Remember, if, you, if you're not stealing, you're not teaching. So we, <laughs> <laughs> so that's the way we kind of did it. So I think we've kind of filled that up. So I think our next step now is we're moving to our principals have got the school up and running remotely. So now also time, how can we make plan B truly work? And I really like um, Kate Alice's idea about, you know, how can you not add more pressure to your teachers? You can, they're, you know, they're in the classroom teaching that live. How can you capture that as part of your remote learning? I think Alex is doing a good job with that at Healthy Start as well. So. Love it. Great job. So here's what I'm going to do in three seconds. I'm going to take a selfie. So if you want to be on camera, be on camera, but make sure you're smiling and you look good because I'm tired of taking selfies where folks got their heads down and they don't want to look. So here we go. Three two one everybody's up there smiling good and wave all right perfect i love that so thanks everybody listen this is this is important that you came on this call now it's about taking that one call to action and implementing it just like these leaders do every single week they hop on a call every monday either at 11 1 or 3 they share their ideas they ask questions and they learn and then they come back the next week and they do the same thing because there's no other person better to talk about these problems than the other people that are going through these problems and overcoming hurdles. So I love what, you know, Steve had to say. So thanks for taking this hour uh, for my uh, a teammate, Katie Ridenour, and, and uh, thank you, Emily and Heather and 
Dr. Dunaway, Steve Gay, and Tammy Finch, and those schools that are doing it out there. And uh, maybe we'll do this, you know, maybe once a month, we'll try to get a people uh, together and see how it's going so we can continue that progress. So if you would like something like that, email us and, uh, and make sure you share this out when it goes out live and bring more people in. The more people we have as part of the community, the better ideas we're going to get to. So thanks again, everybody. Appreciate you all and look forward to talking to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.